Welcome to episode 102 of the China FlexPet podcast. And it's a great honor today to talk about intercultural communication. It's a topic that we all need and we can learn so much. With this, welcome, Michelle. Hi, Francis. It's great to be on the show. And I am based in Taipei. I'm the founder of Elephant Communications. We have intercultural training and emotional intelligence coaching. And I've been living in Taipei for over 15 years now. I'm originally from New York, and I grew up in New York City, uh, London, and Cape Town, South Africa. So I had a very multicultural background. And then in my uh, university years, which was in Boston, I started to develop a strong love of traditional Asian culture. So it began with yoga class. And I began with going into yoga and yoga history. So I spent a year in India. And I became a yoga therapist through a certification program there, which led me to Japan, where I lived for a year. And I was working as a yoga therapist, as well as a communications trainer. And then from there, Uh, Faith brought me in 2007 to Taipei, and I have been here ever since. So I've been studying Chinese, learning a lot about traditional Chinese culture, and also developing my own business. So I work with people both in the East and in the West on increasing their uh, communication abilities, their cultural intelligence, and their emotional intelligence. These two areas, CQ and EQ, I believe, are strongly connected. So this is my life's work, and I'm really happy to be sharing with everyone about it. I love it. I really love it, Michelle. You're, you have a fantastic background. You know, my mom is from Ireland, so I'm half Irish. How did you learn Chinese, and what's your experience? What's your take, and how does it help you to do business today? You know, Francis, when I arrived in Taipei in 2007, I, I didn't even know what ni hao meant, like, hello, I, that was as far as I went with my Chinese. And then when I came here, I learned about this great culture and this ancient history. As I said previously, I'd known a lot more about Indian culture, and it just made me super interested in studying the language. So I went to one of the most famous Chinese training programs here in Taipei at Shida university and studied there for a few years. And then over time, I have continued to take private classes with a tutor and, you know, really trying to keep up with my learning every week. So how has this impacted my life and my work? Greatly in the sense that language is also a philosophy and it also connects very deeply with culture and how people see the world. So the more I got into Chinese and the more that I learned, you know, the idioms and the way that you express yourself, the more curious I was to understand why things were said the way they were and what was the background of it. I got so interested in going back to Confucius and Mengxis and the Tao Te Ching and the art of war and a lot of also uh, fiction, classical novels, and learning all about the history And the philosophies of China uh, really great, gave me a great sense that if we could combine the best of the West and the best of the East and bring them together, then this would be the best foot forward for everybody in the 21st century. And it has really helped me in the sense that trying to stand from the position of you know, how people learned here 
or from their cultural perspective, it has helped me to communicate in a way that although they can see very clearly that I am a foreigner, uh, I'm communicating in a way that they feel very comfortable with. And I've had a lot of comments all over the years about that, that they, people sometimes feel confused about whether I am in fact originally from here. So this has helped me in the sense that as an entrepreneur, I have to go out and uh, you know make connections and build business. And a lot of it is based on guanxi, which is relationship con uh, connections or building. So this you know guanxi that I've developed over the years through my love of Chinese language and culture, I think has given me a very unique insight as well as um, opportunities into developing uh, our, our business in the local market. We talk a lot about career advice in this podcast, and I would like to get to know your special view on Taipei. So how can foreigners build their career in a sustainable way like you did and maybe that other people did? And what's your take on this as a summary of what you saw in the past 15 years? I think Taipei is in a very interesting place right now where the younger generation have a lot of new ideas and there's a, an enormous amount of influence from all different parts of the world, you know, from the traditional Chinese culture as well as the Japanese influence and then also a very strong connection with Southeast Asia right now. So that community is growing. And then, of course, uh, many people from elsewhere in the world, like South America, the West, are interested in living here and making it their home. Another thing that's interesting is that previously, over the last 10 years or so, a lot of people from Taipei uh, had gone abroad because maybe they thought that there were better opportunities there. And then for various political as well as just global reasons, over the last two to three years, many people have come home. So if you are interested in developing your career, whether it's with a company or uh, as an entrepreneur, there's a lot of opportunity. But my first suggestion would be to, A, learn the language, take the time to develop your language skills. B, really realize that this is not a multicultural society at heart. If you are from a multicultural society, for example, Canada or the UK or the US or even many parts of Europe, you will need to realize that there is a dominant culture here that you're going to have to learn about and adjust to and embrace. There's a Chinese phrase that I think is very helpful to learn, which is Ru Jin Sui Su, which is basically translated as uh, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. You can do as the Romans do. However, that doesn't mean that you need, you should let go of your own special uh, perspective or your own personality, your own culture, but rather merge the two. So if you can do that and then pursue your dream, whether it's working for a local company or an international company or doing your own thing, then I think you'll have many opportunities and you'll also learn a lot, both personally and professionally. What kind of professionals with what kind of hard skills are currently in need in Taipei? Of course, the biggest, most traditional way for someone from, especially an English-speaking country, to come to Taiwan as a younger person would be uh, as an education professional. Basically, there's a huge, there's always a huge need for English teachers. 
I say the second one for the international community would also be in food and dining and tourism. There's a lot of room for that and growth. And then the third would be in engineering and then also in a lot of diplomatic or translation work is also there's also a huge need. If you are going to go into a field, for example, engineering, then your Chinese really needs to be good enough to communicate on a professional level at work. If you can speak Chinese, then almost all jobs are open for you. But if you cannot speak Chinese, then your opportunities will be far more limited unless you get like some kind of special permit or visa based on your own skills or background in your home country. I myself, I work in engineering and I work in Chinese, at least partly. Uh, but I, I also I differentiate from Chinese professionals because I represent the European mindset in my company. How can FlexPets, from your point of view, differentiate on the job market in Taipei? I think they need to differentiate by showing that, just like you, they can work in a Chinese environment, but then they can connect with maybe a region or the, uh, a, a country. So for you, you are focused on the European market. However, from what I know about you, you've made great efforts to adjust yourself to your environment, to your co-workers, to the language. So I think that this is the best skill to stand in a firm place of passion and confidence, but on the one side to, you know, be able to show your professional capacity from your home country or region. And at the same time to show a genuine interest in learning about and uh, communicating in the country that you're living in, or the environment that you're living in. So if you can do that and you have the confidence to go past any doubts or hesitations or stereotypes that someone might have by taking you on as a foreigner, then your opportunities will be unlimited. Having that sort of that courage as well as passion, I think is, the, is a foundational requirement. Do you think that um, local companies or international companies would prefer to hire a flex pet compared to a local professional? If the market is local, then they would prefer to hire a, a local hire. But if they have some international business and they do need someone who can communicate in that language, then they will hire someone from abroad. For example, I have an Italian friend who's working for a software company And his job is to connect with the Italian market. So he does translation work. He communicates between the Italian vendors and the local company. And he's been there for over 10 years. He's very happy there. His company treats him really well. It's a great opportunity, but he has a niche because they have a very big need for someone who can face Italy and know how to communicate, understands the language, understands the culture. So I would say that there, there doesn't definitely needs to be that sort of more practical aspect or that benefit about why the company would take you on. Because if there's no practical need to have you, they will probably choose to hire someone local. What about yourself? You started Elephant Communications. So why did you do that? And what's your experience so far? So elephants from Africa to Asia are known as majestic animals that have wisdom and intelligence, um, loyalty and courage. I think that these skills are very important no matter what business you're in or what country that you live in. 
And having spent my entire life in the communication and training industries, I started Elephant Communications to help bridge the cultural gaps that I see. From the side here, I see a lot of hesitation about directly communicating one's thoughts or to be proactive about communicating in a way that the Western counterparts or the international audience would understand clearly the message. From the international perspective, I often see that because the local way of communicating here is softer and more subtle, that often messages kind of go over the other person's head. So my goal is to try to help both sides or all sides to first develop empathy, to stand in the other's shoes, and then from there to understand more clearly the signals that are being used to communicate. So that can help your business uh, operate more smoothly, meetings be more effective, and for uh, international intercultural relationships to be smoother. So this has a direct impact on the success rates of international teams. So that's why I started Elephant Communications and I always believe for myself that you should work with your passion. So this is what I've always been doing. And I have a very strong passion and connection with this work. And I'm just loving to keep on doing that. I can feel that. That's great. I like it. So do you work with other flex pets or do you work with the local professionals and companies? Where's your revenue coming from? All of the above. So I'll give you one example. There is a really big educational organization in Taipei with over eight different branches. And they have a huge number of international employees. They also have a large local staff. However, the international and the local staff sometimes have some issues over misunderstanding or some adaptation frustrations, you could say. So my job is to come in and work with both sides on bridging that gap. So I work with both the international community, the FlexPaths, as well as with the local staff. And then from that, they can operate more effectively and understand each other. And I was invited recently to come back and create some more uh, workshops for that organization. So that's really great. Um, I also work with Taipei-based organizations that have a lot of staff abroad. So, for example, a group of managers from Taipei who are all over Australia will all get online and have a workshop together about how they can improve their communication skills and understand their co-workers in Australia better. Because everything is so digital and you can reach anyone anywhere at time. So I basically can work with anyone <laughs> who, who is in need of understanding to communicate, uh, going deeper with their empathy and their intercultural communication. I would love such a training uh, for my team as well. How do you see the future of training and coaching? When I began, the environment that I was trained in was kind of you go in as the expert and you're a trainer is the consultant. You have the knowledge and then you impart the knowledge. Everyone absorbs the knowledge and then they use that knowledge and then they take it into their lives. As I have gone deeper into uh, this path and also observed how people are learning, adult learning principles, I've come to realize that 
this framework is very suitable to have a coaching element. So I am going more into a splendid training approach where I begin with some consulting and some training, and then maybe the, the, the remainder of it is more coaching. So it's led by the participant. They can create their own experience. They can find their own both questions and answers. And that in the end is more meaningful. So I'm kind of moving from the one knowing the answers to the one holding the space. Yeah, I understand. It's something I try to do in my team as well to say, I want to be able to move on eventually from this company to something coming after it. So what will happen if I leave? So how can my team not take my job, but how can they think a little bit like me? I think the only way to achieve this is if, if they learn to learn it themselves. This is a long process, but I'm quite impressed what, what we have achieved so far and how my, tree, my team also treat me uh, now, that they tell me what they want to do and the way they want to do it. And I just can reflect on it. And I really like that. You came from the US and now you live in Taipei. What's your personal plan? How is going to be the next 10 years and maybe even beyond that? Retirement, whatever. What, what, what's your plan for the future? Uh, from my early 20s, I've had a very deep love of living in Asia, from India to Japan to Taipei. I hope that in the next 10 years, I can continue doing that. And for now, Taipei is the number one spot for me, regardless if it's in terms of continuing my Chinese learning or absorbing the fantastic traditional culture or connecting with my readily established network and also a lifestyle that I really enjoy. In terms of retirement, because I have always focused on pursuing my passion and I'm very connected to the meaning of my work, I don't foresee a retirement. <laughs> um, I would love to be working with people in a professional sense for as long as I can, way past the traditional retirement age. And what are you afraid of? What could go wrong? On a, in a global sense, I think what I'm afraid of is a continued feeling of divisiveness in the sense that everyone has a very strong connection to their own opinion. My biggest worry is that that trend continues so that it becomes harder for people to identify with or understand or appreciate someone's position who might be quite different from their own. On a, on a personal level, I think my fears lie in you know not being able to get the things done that I want to do or you know doing them and then not having an audience or an environment or a space or an opportunity to 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 make them have meaning or have value. Having said that, the more that you do it, the less fear that you have. So I think in essence, as long as I'm always working towards it and trying, then I think all of those fears just naturally get displaced and get transformed. Who should listen to this episode? Who would you like to reach? And what would be your message to this person? The person who has a dream to live in a way that they feel connects with their heart. The person who loves another culture, but is scared of the challenges of moving there or learning the language. Um, the person that's in a 
successful or financially stable career, but knows that their heart is someone else or the person that is interested in Taipei and would love to learn more or loves Chinese culture and wants to know how to connect with it. That type of person might get something from this and is also welcome to connect with me afterwards to have a virtual cup of tea. Michelle, if somebody actually gets the chance to go to Taipei, what would be your short advice what to do in Taipei? If you get the chance to come to Taipei, I would suggest going to the Yongkangjie Dongmen area and put down your phone, put down your map, just walk around, go through all the lanes, spend an afternoon in a tea house, enjoy the, all the different snacks, all the different heritage sites, and have a fantastic time. I think Taipei is a wonderful walking city with so much heritage and mixed cultural influences. It's safe. The people are friendly. So just go out for a walk and see what you find, see who you meet and become an accidental tourist. That would be my suggestion. And can you try, I know it's not easy, but can you try to sum up your career advice for flexpats who want to make it in Taipei? First, be a student, whether it's a language or of, you know, reading the Analects on Confucius, or history of Taipei, or learning anything connected with Taipei's culture, traditional Chinese culture, do that first. After you've done that, then start to build your network. Attend events that interest you. Attend networking events. There, there are lots of different organizations that have many different events. Ask people questions. Open your mind. And then after you've done that, then you can start to, you know, reach out and find the work that you love. Another suggestion that I have is if you realize that it's going to take many steps before you actually reach your goals, then in the meantime, just do something that gets you by, whether it's just finding a job that can meet your visa requirements or your financial requirements. Doing something in the interim to help you to get to your goal isn't selling out and it's, it, doesn't, it does not have no meaning. So, you know, be willing to sort of change your plan or humble yourself, learn from those experiences too, and keep your long-term goal in mind and you'll definitely get there. That's a fantastic uh, mission for the China Flexpad podcast. If somebody wants to reach out to you, What kind of questions should they ask you? If you're interested in working with me uh, in a coaching capacity or in terms of intercultural communication, you can ask me by sharing your needs and your pain points or what your current professional or personal environment is. Uh, if you would just like to reach out to me in terms of being a fellow current or future Taipei Flexpat, You can ask me about what you would like, what your dreams are, uh, how to get, how to reach them, and then I'll, I'd be happy to to, ask, to to share with you my experience. Also, if you want to know uh, where is the best tea in Taipei, I'd also be happy to share with you that because pao cha cha dao, the the way of tea is is one of my favorite pastimes, and we have some really excellent tea houses both in the city, in alleys, and then also on the mountainsides. Okay, 
Michelle, with this, thank you so much for coming on the China Flexpad podcast. 谢谢，再见。谢谢，再见。So this was episode 102 of the China Flexpad podcast. If you liked this episode, maybe you can take a screenshot and send it to some friend, somebody who fits the description that Michelle described before. And maybe you can also leave us a five-star review on your preferred podcast app, such as iPhone Podcasts or Spotify. And if you know somebody like Michelle who can be our next guest, please also reach out to us. You can find our contact details in the show notes. And if there is something you want to contribute to the China Flexpad community, please don't hesitate.